I mean, my message to those people is don't be afraid. If you see an injustice, step in and deal with it. I think sometimes standing by and, and turning a blind eye is almost as bad as being racist, you know? Uh, just letting it go on. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's got to stop. So hopefully, racists might start going a bit more undercover if they think they're going to get punched in the face for it. I'm Neil Maggs, and this is Bristol Unpacked, speaking to fascinating Bristolians on topics where others may fear to tread. Brought to you by the city's community-owned media, The Bristol Cable. This episode we talk to Stephen Draper, also known as Crazy, a hip-hop and grime DJ, producer and broadcaster. We talk to him about the scene in Bristol, Wiley's recent anti-Semitic comments, and a fight he got into a Bristol town centre with a racist. And the video went viral. Call you Stephen, or do you want me to call you crazy? Uh, I'm good with either. My mum calls me Stephen still, um, yeah. but yeah, pretty much everyone else calls me crazy. Yeah, I'm either, either or. Um, but yeah, crazy, I think it was more a name given to me. Um, yeah. My friend uh, Dwayne uh, was from Jamaica, and we, we was in a group together, and we picked names, and I called him JD, quite simply for Jamaican Dwayne, and he yeah. called him KD for Crazy D, for Crazy Draper. Yeah, because I was a bit of a nutter back in them days, and... you've made your own music you produce music for other people you compare events you present a radio show you've been doing this during covid you've been doing this online rap battle thing called last man standing where where do you find the time to fit all this stuff in because that's a lot of stuff you're doing i mean we we don't sleep basically we work so hard it's insane um i i We've got a good team. I think that's what it is. There is still, uh, in certain circles, a sort of negative attitude towards, I guess, grime music, black music, urban music, and the sort of connotations that come with it in certain circles. Do you think that it's sort of viewed with suspicion still? Yeah, man. The, the same reason they call it urban music, you know, the, and stuff like that. It's, it's, England's racist. I mean, let, let's be real. Yeah, if if you can't tell that it's racist, you're probably slightly racist. <laughs> and the amount, if all it takes, you have to look on the, the comment section on the Evening Post or the the Bristol Post or something like that, and see the yeah. amount of racist comments on that. And I think, yes, people, as much as they like dancing to to hip hop and they want to be a part of it and dress up in the culture. I think there's still a massive divide in, in races. There really is. And, and you know, you're, you're a white guy yeah. that kind of grew up in a black community. You're kind of, you're in a, you're in a kind of movement that a lot of people kind of would, would, would think if they didn't know the kind of hip hop or grime scene was predominantly black, but it's, it's pretty multicultural actually, isn't it? Um, well, you think the influence this had is huge in the UK. Hip hop blew up big time over here. I'm not 100%, don't quote me on this, but I think it's something like there's only 13% black people in the country in comparison. So if you look up like proportional representation, say, yeah. uh, there are going to be more white people doing it in theory. And it is something like that. There are a lot of white rappers and stuff in Bristol is the case, but there yeah. is a huge amount of black artists still, you know? thing. I mean, I grew up in Eastern and then St. Paul's and the sheer amount of rappers and artists that we had back then from your, uh, from your label, MTGs, um, to the same yeah. artists and stuff. There, there were so many artists that grew up. It was an inspiring time, you know. Yeah, and and you, and yeah. I mean, I'm a bit older than you, but I kind of my my kind of background is quite quite similar. And I think that 
I um, yeah, it's an interesting one because because I, I think also there's this thing around if you're this whole cultural appropriation argument or culture vulture thing that people talk about now. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen on Facebook every now and again, you add a little comment, like that's a psych type of thing I used to get. How does that feel? And how would you push back when somebody says to you, you know what? I, I'm in a lucky position because, because I am not a culture vulture and uh, I have a lot of people that jump on those posts and defend me without me having to do it. It's, it's usually just comes from frustrated people. Yeah, who are angry about something, who don't know me from Adam, you know what I mean? I'm one of these people, I've been doing stuff in Bristol for so long, people know, you know, that, um, they, I mean, they wouldn't have let me manage the main stage at St. Paul's Carnival as a white guy, if I wasn't the right guy for the job, you know what I mean? I, I grew up in the ends, in Eastern, I went to Whitfield White Primary, I've been doing music since I was a youth, I've, I've put on more shows than most people in Bristol. If it's your culture and you've grown up around it, and that music scene is your culture, and you're not taking from that culture. What you're doing is you're actually giving a platform. You're doing the opposite to that. It shows that they don't really know what I'm doing. Because if you look at any of my events, you would always see inclusion. And one thing is, one, we always had uh, rappers on Word Life, yeah? The way we'd do, we'd have like a headline booked, and then we'd have a rapper from every different ends. Like, and I'd have someone from like Eastern, someone from St. Paul's, someone from Bedminster, someone from Hartcliffe. And I'd make sure that all the different races and areas and everyone was all mixed up and it was all in the same melting pot. And I think that's, that's the one strength that I had because I knew people from all over different places. You know what I mean? Cause that, cause I suppose the kind of, the kind of national media narrative sometimes and, and you know, even some clubs have sort of have been uh, hesitant to have drill nights or grind nights or whatever aren't they for fear of trouble and that kind of stuff in effect with what you're doing really is you're using music as a platform to bring together those kind of rival postcodes kind of things that still do go on in the city we never have a fight we never had a fight at one of the events never like you've got all of these people from the different ends that are supposed to be the the ones the media cast as trouble these are kids yeah who want to escape that. They, they're they trying to do something with their lives, you know what I mean? I think the media need to watch the guys who aren't making music. That's the trouble, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the, the people in the studios who are off the streets who are trying to rhyme words together and write poetry aren't really the, the, the problems here, you know? Let's go back to what you said earlier about the UK is racist. You, do you think that there is a... That, that's, that's steeped in the, the, the kind of fear of the culture, the music culture a bit? Um... Look, I think it's it's sad because you see a lot of like MCs and stuff like that getting into all lives matter, all that crap and stuff. And next thing you know, you see their sides that they like the hip hop, they like the drum and bass and stuff like that. But they're secretly racist still. There's a lot of it, you know. It's it's, and I think the industry's like shrouded by that, you know. I think there's some racist ass people out there still, and they don't want to admit it. But yeah, they love the music. Wiley came out with some some statements about Jewish people and the music industry. And he was subsequently taken down off, off Twitter quite swiftly. Wiley undoubtedly said some really bad stuff, you know. I think the, the things that he said is, is definitely wrong, you know. It's, it's, it's really anti-Semitic. He was going a whole nation of people based on the actions of a few. To, to be prejudiced against a whole nation of people is wrong, I think. And there was a lot of hurt people. I've got friends who were personally affected and uh, by the comments, you know. But you you knew people that were offended by what Wiley said. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What was it in particular? Because one of his main things was, in effect, really saying that the the music industry is run by Jewish people and they're exploiting young black rappers 
and you know, and they did him when he was younger. That was kind of the general thrust. And then he said some stupid things which were outright anti-Semitic. Is that even true? Right. Okay. So, I mean, whether there's truth in that or not, that's not the issue. I mean, um, look, yes, there are some people, a uh, select few people, uh, the head of the music industry that are Jewish people. Yes. However, there are, there are okay. yeah. so lots and lots of Jewish people living in a really bad situation and they can't all be swept into one group like Harry did, you know? I'm mindful this is a white person talk to a white person here, but what was kind of interesting was that it almost threw up that debate, which is that can a black person effectively be racist or be anti-Semitic? And a lot of the kind of kickback to the whole debate and people who supported Wiley were angry and annoyed that he got taken down off Twitter so soon in comparison to some white counterparts. Is there some weight to that argument for you? I mean, a lot of people say that, um, you know, because you're black, you can't be racist. I mean, in England, that's probably very much true. In America, that's probably very much true because it's systematically racist over here, you know? Sure. Yeah, um, and that, yeah. that is the truth, you know. But at the same time, you can be prejudiced and you can be a bigger of any race. I think if you're going at a whole race of people based on one person's actions, that's wrong. No matter what race, what skin colour you are, that's wrong. I think with Wiley, I think he regrets what he was done. He's a very passionate guy and he goes on rants and he tries to say things that will cause a stir. And I think he, he got carried away and said some stuff. I'm not sticking up for it and defending it. It was completely wrong. But you're right. I mean, uh, the, the way they've taken him off of the internet, I think is wrong. Um, now, I'm not saying that people should be able to, to spill hatred and stuff like that. Now, the, the problem is that you still have people like Tommy Robinson and Katie Hopkins who are constantly on there spouting hate on those platforms and they're not getting removed. Whereas he said something that taken years and years and years of his music. That, what, is it Bossy had over 100 million views and stuff like that? I mean, that's his whole career. Yeah. So they, they, yeah. Yeah. the money that he's now lost as a result of that is, is huge, you know? There have been a few people that have been quite out there. People like um, Alan Sugar has, has come out and, you know, was one of the people that were really pushing him to be kicked off Twitter. And he's posted tweets inflammatory to the black community himself in the past and is still up there. So I think that some people see it you know, as a double standard. But I think probably in the context of Wiley, you know, this is not the first time he says silly, stupid things. That, and he does it at three o'clock in the morning on his Twitter, doesn't he? You know, I wondered whether uh, you felt or, or people in the kind of hip hop community felt that, you know, because it's Wiley and he's known for being a controversial character, that it, you could just say it's just Riley having a rant, or, or is that, or is that, or is that letting him off the hook? No, no, no. You're right. You're right. Um, I think because he does that all of the time, um, a lot of us in the music scene, when we first seen it, we thought, oh, here we go again. It's just Wiley on a mad one. But mm. when you start breaking down the actual stuff that he was saying within it, he was like, no, you, you messed up. That's wrong. That's really wrong. And I, I get why he's come under fire. I understand why he would have been deleted off of Twitter. Again, I'm not defending anything he said. I just think it's a contradictory response. And this that, that response is racist in itself. Do you think, had he been a white music artist, he would have been taken off so quickly? It makes you think that these, these people, like Katie Hopkins and Tommy Robinson, or whatever his name is, that's Stephen Laxley. Yeah. Laxley. Yeah. It makes you think that maybe there's more to it. Maybe they're media plants. They're getting paid by people to say that stuff. So they're getting treated differently, you know what I mean? Whereas at, at times it feels a bit like a sort of divide and conquer along sort of racial and cultural lines at the moment. And and should we be sort of pull, pulling together a bit more um, to show sort of solidarity? I think, yes. I think basically at the moment, racism is rife. Racists uh, used to hide before, you know, they wouldn't be so public. And I think since 
the Black Lives Matter thing. And I'm not saying it's any fault of that, but it's basically mm. now all of the, the what have been deemed as gammons uh, <laughs> uh, racist yeah, yeah. groups now. You know, they seem to have found power in, in, in groups, you know. And, they and you feel be- they're more confident to speak out, maybe, than, than they maybe would have done a few years ago, perhaps. Yeah. That, that, that leads on nicely, then. An incident happened by Cabot Circus, uh, a guy being racist to a couple of black um, security guards outside Sainsbury's. You chucked yourself in to try and kind of defuse things and then got caught up into a little bit of a scuffle. This is going viral. Just tell me about what happened. Well, you know what people are like. They love, they love seeing uh, racists get punched in the face, and that, that's a good thing. But look, I was just at the queue, and there was two characters in there. I'm, I'm going to say they were alcoholic kind of characters. Basically, they'd be banned from town. They'd be banned from the shop for stealing. We could see it all going on. Uh, he's trying to push past the guy, and then he started saying all kinds of racist slurs and stuff like that. Then, they, uh, because he wouldn't let him in the shop, he was going, in your country, they killed disabled people, and he was going on about genital mutilation and, and stuff like that. And like this is just a, a security guard who's working a job. So and, these were security guards that were of Somali origin? Yeah, yeah. One, I think, um, of some sort of African origin. I'm not sure. Any other yeah, guy, yeah. Somalian guy. And, um, yeah. It doesn't matter where you're from, you know what I mean? It's a guy doing his job. He's not letting you in the shop because you're a thief, because you're a thief, you know what I mean? It doesn't want you in. You're bringing up all kinds of irrelevant racist stuff to him. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was I, I couldn't see I couldn't stand for it. Because he turned around to me and started chatting to me like I was going to agree with him. What's quite interesting, because obviously, for, you know, people can't see you listening to this. You are someone that has a skinhead kind of haircut. These two guys had skinheads. It was kind of like he came over to you as if to say, ah, oh, bloody hell, look, look, look what they're like. I'm doing inverted commas as if you were going to agree with him. Yeah. And you just went, mate, get away from me. Move away from me. I can hear what you're doing. Get away from me. Yeah, well, nobody was saying a thing. No, no, everybody just stood there in silence. People started filming and everything. I said, like, enough's enough. Or we knew we'll have a problem. He kind of pondered on that a little bit. He's walked off and then come back and then walked off and come back. And then it just snapped, come towards me and tried fighting me. I mean, this is where the, the old school boxing training comes to play. <laughs> yeah. The left-left jab combo, you know? like uh, Technically self-defence because he was, he was he came towards you. Uh, we mean to say that. I've got no problem talking about it. The police phoned me up. Um, they got hold of me somehow and they said, is, is this Stephen Draper who was in, uh, who witnessed the racist incident yesterday? And uh, they they congratulated me. They said, well done. So, you know, they, they said, do I want to, to press charges and, and make a statement? I said, look, I think I've done it. He's a down and out. I'm not going to uh, press charges. And I'm not. You know, snitch. They got cameras. They can do what they do. You know what I mean? Not everybody feels brave enough to step in. You're clearly someone who's really passionate about issues about racism and standing up to it, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, my friend got killed the other day um, simply because he was black. You know, I went to right. a, a funeral uh, recently for that. I, he was. I don't know if you've seen there was a racist attack in Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, that was my pretty much my cousin's like older brother, pretty much like adopted say mm. brother. You Sorry know. To hear that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a very real thing, you know. It's not like they took that out on him, but racism is a horrible thing that's affecting a lot of people at the moment. Seeing lots of videos all over social media. There was one the other day on the on the tube in London where okay. a guy was abusing three young black kids. We are seeing it increasingly so. That you know that white people need to step up and not just allow people to say things uh, like this and get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my message to those people is: don't be afraid. If you see an injustice, step in and deal with it. I think sometimes standing by and, and turning a blind eye is almost as bad as being racist, you know, uh, just letting it go on. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I think that's got to stop. So hopefully racists might start going a bit more undercover 
if they think they're going to get punched in the face for it. So, and like the video's got what over seventy thousand views in a day so far on one of the platforms alone. I'm not saying everyone's got a punch of racist in the face, but stand up and <laughs> let them know what they're doing is wrong. You know what I mean? And um, if it comes to it, you know, I'll, I'll happily punch them in the face for you. <laughs> We're right in the middle of, a, I guess, a culture war, for want of a better phrase. Are, are you optimistic that we'll come out the other end in a more equal, fairer, uh, loving society? Or is that just kind of me being a hippie, that thinking that that will be the case? Uh, look, we live in an area in Bristol. It's a very multicultural area. You know, and um, I think in areas like this, yes, positive things are happening. You know, when I went to school, there was a huge mix of people that I grew up with as friends. Um, there, there's a lot of England that isn't like that still, you know, where it is yeah. predominantly white and people are afraid of what they don't know. There's a lot of bad media portrayals, you know, and things going on. And I think in, until that lot sorted out, I'm not too optimistic. I think there is a lot of racism, I think, in the government level. Uh, on corporate level thing but uh, look the only way we're going to deal with it is by fighting it when we see it and, and challenging it not just standing by and watching it I've already been asked uh, to do a semi-pro boxing match and to join three boxing clubs as a result <laughs> great I, I'm probably down for it to be fair I mean <laughs> I hate it in the middle of a podcast when somebody jumps in to try and sell you something it really does my head in join the Bristol Cable the city's only community-owned newspaper. As a member from just £1 a month, you get to help steer the cable forward as we build an alternative to the failing mainstream media. Controversial, that is, that bit. That's a, That was from the producer that I read that. Cheers. And our kind of past met thing where I, I wrote an article about a local kind of artist. And within that, he said a few negative things about the, the music scene in Bristol. And there was quite a lot of pushback from in the kind of hip-hop Bristol kind of grime scene. Um, and, and and what was kind of interesting to me was actually, in my ignorance, there was far more going on under the radar than I realised. I mean, the, the thing is, there is a lot going on in Bristol. Yeah. And I think one thing that we've all uh, neglected to do is back each other. And uh, so, therefore, a lot of people don't realise there's so many other things going on. And um, sometimes it's, it's not down to ignorance, it's just people aren't aware. You know, in terms of a thriving underground scene in a number of different genres, Bristol's always been really good at that, but it, but we've only had a small amount of artists in any musical genre compared to other cities nationally that have gone on to have, I guess, big commercial success, I suppose. what, what why, why do you think that is? Say, compared to London, Liverpool, Manchester you know, places like that. Why is that? Because the talent is here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know whether people are ashamed of the Bristol accent. <laughs> um, for real, I think it's probably the same all over. I think that's, we've not really got the industry side of it here too much. And the things yeah. that I've been like trying to work on and build the structures and things for people to develop through, you know what I mean? Um, whereas in other cities, they tend to have these things in place a bit more. Like big labels and big, big producers and kind of access to, to funding and that kind of stuff. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, people taking on um, the, the funding from the, the bigger grants as well. There's a lot of grants that have been given and, and people have a few years ago ran with that and set up big studios and things like that. And there's a lot from arts councils that have gone to development in those areas, uh, which yeah. we haven't had in Bristol, you know. And it, it takes people to actually start setting up the platforms to actually go ahead and do that. And you're trying to set these things up yourself. Yeah. If if you run the events, you have the control. You can't complain that there aren't events then because you can actually make that happen and, and set that up for yourself. You're not waiting for someone else to do it for you. 
for me, what's been fascinating is this whole new generation of, of artists. To be honest, it reminds me very much of the early graffiti scene, the early kind of jungle stuff, which was totally grassroots. Yeah. So the guys that we're talking about that did go on Gene, the people like Crust at Full Cycle, you know, they, you know, he was not, they were knocking on doors all, all across the city to get signed. Yeah. And nothing happened. So they had to press their own white labels. They had to do exactly their own thing, which is what you're doing now. Yeah. So I, I find it, I find it bizarre why we haven't got those kind of structures in, in a city as big as Bristol. I mean, we've, we've not had stuff to showcase our own people to people. So therefore people are, are blind to it and they don't see it. I mean, after a lot of events stopped, there was literally mm-hmm. a stage in Bristol where there was no hip-hop, no grime going on for ages. So we yeah. threw a community meeting, and that, that's where the World Life thing come from. Um, and we- yeah, I've spoken to you. So you, this, was, this was in response to lack of a lack of a night. You got everyone together in a pub somewhere, didn't yeah, you? Down, in Easton? Down the plow in Easton, yeah. That's uh, my local. And uh, basically, yeah. we filled up the garden up there with artists, and uh, we filmed it. And, and the main thing was they said, we need uh, a night something like that so we set it up and that's been running for a good five years now uh that we do and now there are a lot more nights i'm not trying to say they've got it for me entirely but some people have said it um uh, and, and started to do it themselves so now I'm, i've been looking at other avenues so like for example the radio show before we didn't really have somebody on the inside to play that kind of music i wanted to ask you about that because the, the role that a community radio station ujima kind of plays um even radio bristol used to have a friday night when I when I was about 18, 19, it was a Friday night kind of rave show. Now that they very much cater for the over sort of fifties audience or have traditionally, and all commercial radio stations have been bought up, you know, by their 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 synced nationally on like Heart FM and Breeze and all that. There isn't the pirate radio station stuff or breadth of, that there used to be in the city. So if it wasn't for Udima, there probably wouldn't be a show like what you do, like the Word Life show. Would that would that be fair? That's the nail on the head. Yeah, exactly that. Basically, if it wasn't Fujima doing it, it wouldn't happen. It's mad when you think about a city like Bristol with its musical pedigree, with a, you know, particularly like the type of music you do. It, you know, it's big in the kind of black community. Oh, they love singing the praises about how how culturally great uh, Bristol is and everything like that. But yeah, it's it's the people here doing it. It's not the, the framework around us. The framework's built against us. We haven't got the opportunities. We haven't had that for years. You know, what I mean, we, they really do need to give more opportunity to, to what they're so proud of having in Bristol, you know? The clubs aren't getting any funding. All the clubs are shutting down. Yeah, there's no real funding. Well, there's the Arts Council stuff. We, we tried that and we didn't even get a response, which sucked, mm-hmm. you know? Hopefully we'll chase them and get some more in the future. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, it is, it's literally all happening out of our own pockets at the moment. But, I mean, that's not stopping us. But, I mean, the good thing is, I mean, previously, um, a lot of the artists in Bristol went unnoticed because they were waiting for, say, an A&R or someone from London to come over and, and see their talented and then take it back. And it's hard to get everyone in London to be hyped about a Bristol MC. So they're fighting an uphill battle. I want to talk to you a bit about rap battle stuff. So basically, this is an online call it rap battle. Or would that be right? For anyone who hasn't seen it or doesn't know what we're on about, basically, um, it's like, say your eight-mile rap battles where they're on stage rhyming, going against each other yeah. uh basically we're doing that online now so because of covid do that you had loads of frustrated artists in the house 
And we had loads of rap battles actually just happening where rappers were getting frustrated. We haven't started. The two guys that are the kind of the main organisers are you and a guy called Grizzly Bear. What's his real name? Yeah, Martin Hartley. They did a kind of, they did like a diss video together and it was absolutely brilliant because some of this stuff in the cult is quite brutal. Oh. And I was thinking, oh, God, you can't say that. Oh, but you all took it lovely and had a handshake and then set up this thing afterwards. Well, yeah, but it is brutal. And the good thing about it, it's only words. You know what I mean? You, you can say yeah. all of this stuff on there and, and shake someone's hand afterwards. It's a sport like that. Um, with the, the rap battle that we had, it wasn't planned. A lot of people think we planned it and faked it to start all this off. Uh, basically, he ran in a challenge called the M32 challenge. Uh, another thing to keep people occupied during the COVID stuff. Long story short, um, we had done a challenge the week before and, and I wasn't too keen to spend the time doing it and I was quite busy and um, I didn't do it. He got quite annoyed at me. He then said, if, if you don't do it, I'm going to send for you. And a send for you is like do a track about you and like that. Uh, and he was like, but as I record all of his music, he was like, could I record that at your studio? And I was like, no, don't fuck off. I'm not letting you do that. You know? Uh, uh, next thing you know, a week and a half, he's put up a video where he's, he's doing raps about me. And like within 24 hours, I had a track up online, slewing him, like, uh, basically going, returning back at him. I had a teddy bear in one of his clothing because he has a clothing company, caught on fire and everything. You burnt it, didn't you? You put petrol over it and then burnt it. And burnt it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a good rebuttal anyway. But um, but basically after that, uh, within like half hour, he's like, are we still friends on the phone? <laughs> we had a laugh. Because we, made, we said, yeah, look, instead of just sending for each other, we could do something positive with it. And there's a lot of people that want to have the battles. It causes a lot of attention because... You know, people love that negativity. Um, you know, they want to see people cuss each other and it's, uh, it attracts more attention than just normal music. It really does. So I, I put online, I said, would anybody be interested in an online video battle? And I was inundated. Earth from Don't Flop, the biggest rap battle league in the country. This is, that's a big national platform right. for rap battles, isn't it? Yeah. And well, he's got involved. He's like, we spoke a couple hours on the phone and come up with like how we're going to structure it and everything like that. And he's one of the judges. Mm good sort of name for like that sort of scene um and we've got a panel of five judges some of the judges it's like whoa you kind of it's, it's almost i mean all right this is a stupid analogy but it's a bit like the kind of factor simon cowell sort of yeah fame academy for rap battles and 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 you don't you guys do not hold back ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to give opportunities to people i mean the prizes last time you had a wrestling belt a, a record deal music video package and it was worth over a thousand pounds and I think if you're right. going to get that sort of thing as a prize amongst 16 people, if you're taking the opportunity away from other people, you know, pay, pay some respects to it. I mean, yeah. the artists, one of them's got, already got a record deal from the first competition. He's, he's just filmed his music video for his, his debut single. He's got an album coming out and an EP coming out. Uh, the the, the runner-up's also got a music video. He's got two tracks coming out with different artists that were on the thing and he's got a sponsorship deal from a clothing company already as a result I mean people pick watching it and picking it up yeah just pretty much. off the back of doing it and the thing is people are making a lot of fans off of it um, and yeah. like what I said about another platform and another way of bringing artists to the, the, the forefront I think we yeah. just found we just find the money. This is this is the way to do it. It's just totally grassroots led, isn't it? From the word go, I think it's brilliant. Everything, yeah. I mean, it come from an actual battle, so it's of pure origin. You know what I mean? It's not like we just yeah. sat thinking, how can we take money off the people and what can we do? We're not I don't, honestly don't think enough people know that, that, that this is going on. In the city. And as I said, it's not like people just filming any old crap on their phone and just chucking a few words together. Yeah. They're crafted, crafted lyrically, visually brilliant. 
this, this is like this is not Mickey Mouse stuff at all. This is decent, high level stuff going on. Well, somebody said to me yesterday, um, and he he said this uh, quite genuinely. He said he said your recording quality is just as good as Jay Z or anything like that. Because some it's all across the region, isn't it? Now, pretty much. And there are a good few artists from Bristol involved, but yeah. it's all over the UK. I mean, we had Kong from Brighton. Well, now we've got people from London and all over the country. And I think that's the thing about the internet. In theory, anybody with a setup in their house or these bedroom rappers who are making music in their houses, they can participate. There's no reason it could be an international tournament. I mean, our subscriber base is going up and up. Um, the, the, the people who have been involved have got a lot more fans. There is music coming out as a result. All I ask is just give it a try. Give it a listen. Check it out. I, how can... How can... What I, get, I don't know. I don't think there's necessarily an address to the mayor or to business in the city or to... A and R organisations in London should they be looking at Bristol more? How can we actually start to develop this talent and give it a platform and a pathway to kick on beyond the city? I guess is my question. Okay, so if there's anybody out there who's listening to this that has any opportunity for setting up a studio or funding, get in touch. We're trying to do that at the moment, uh, and we yeah. I can get you a world of artists in there. I guess yeah. How can you keep things real and be successful? Um, look. I'm starting to think people don't even care about keeping it real no more. Most of these rappers out here got fake watches, fake jewels, fake rental cars. People are snitching nowadays. I just think, yeah. you know, like, just have some integrity yourself, I think, you know. In this city as well, for the oldest, for the, the people of my age group, stop just trying to be rappers. Try and set something up in the city. Just, you know, I mean, it's not just about yourself being a rapper. Set up labels. Pass on that, that knowledge and experience you've got to the next generation and, and let, let them grow, you know. And you're quite optimistic. You know, we're we're a better city now for people like me and you that come from places like Eastern. Do you think there's more opportunity or, um, or less? I think hopefully we're on the verge of something. And I think, look, people have said to me, if you lived in London, you'd have made it years ago. You'd be rich by now. You'd have had, you'd have a show on this channel. You'd be doing this, that, the other. Because of the work I put in, in the city, um, yeah. hopefully as a result, I'll be on the forefront of when it does kick off here and we'll have something good and big to be proud of. But us setting up that framework, that's what we're trying to do now, you know? The 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 youth clubs, and when I was speaking to you before, I think you said you started out doing a lot of music in the youth clubs, and I know anyone I know that's been involved in different music scenes in the city often do. Um, obviously, a lot of the youth clubs have closed now. Is there, is it, where are we at in terms of space where young people can go and create music? I know you've got guys like Darren, haven't you, Ace, Ace is doing his thing. You've got a few people. There should be an abundance. It should be more than what they need. It shouldn't be It shouldn't be hard to get to and hard to access like it is. I think the, the thing is, there's only one Darren. You know I mean? He's got a few people there working with him, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Like, you need 10 people like that, 20 people like that doing it, you know what I mean? And, and I think yeah. that's, that's when the industry will really thrive, you know? But yeah, basically, I, when we started out, like um, after I'd done all that stuff with JD, we had a thing called Collective Thinking Crew. And we had like a radio show on Passion FM. And we used to yeah. go up to the, the youth clubs up in Hillfords and see our decks up there. And Linton, uh, one of our DJs, yeah. used to teach the kids up there. Uh, so we'd go record all the sets on mini disc up there and then cycle down to East, uh, sorry, down to this one was in St. Paul's, and it was there first. And, um, and, and play all the shows off of radio back in them days. But then uh, we went on and we started doing like um, youth leading and we'd run the parties for the kids there. Um, and then even like 10, 20 years on, um, I'd, I've gone back and I've started teaching kids how to make music and stuff like that now. Because they do something, they sure, but I do, I mean, there's 20 youth clubs in the last 10 years that have closed in Bristol, 20. 
And all you know, and, you're talk- and I think if you're going, ironically, where where we're from, I think if you go in a city, there's probably more stuff like that. But if you live out in Avonmouth for Lawrence Weston or Safemead or Noel West, well, I'll be caught that, one. That's that's been knocked down. Yeah, I'll be caught one that's gone. Yeah, and it's the number of so. Yeah, I, I do. I do wonder whether yeah we ought to, and not obviously just for music, but that that's a key component where people learn, you know, music, sport, whatever, isn't it? Is that we need to invest, and I know we've had austerity and all that kind of stuff, but I think I I, I wonder if we should be investing a bit more in buildings and spaces for young people. You know, I think if we don't shape those people, then then we're going to get a lot more crime. We're going to get a lot more bad-minded people in the future who haven't got passions and things that they want. Who just don't know what to do with themselves. You know what I mean? That was literally, that was what shaped us as kids, you know what I mean? That's who gave us our identities. That's the reason, like, I'm, I'm crazy, because I was going out and doing those parties for the for the kids and stuff like that. And would you have been a, a, a lad that would have got caught up in trouble if it wasn't for the music? I was in trouble when I was doing the music, so it would have been worse. I was, okay. I, I was not <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. like, the, the geez, yeah. they were shooting stabbings left, right and centre. The, the amount of drugs I sold was nuts, you know what I mean? Back in them days, yeah. like, it, 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 was, yeah. it was mad. So you take away the, the the one positive thing that we had, music, you take that away and we couldn't do that anymore, then what does that leave? You know what I mean? It means that that, that extra eight hours that was in the studio a day, we'd be out on road doing even worse things. And that's the truth is that, like you said at the beginning, really, I think it's a nice way to tie it up, is that actually if it, if you didn't have... Um, you didn't have those opportunities, things can go in a different direction, but actually when people do get all, you know, a bit... Uh, a bit nervous around the grime, drill, hip hop culture, and all a bit. Oh, it's connected to criminality. Actually, in a weird way, it's the music that's actually keeping people away from that path a bit. And it's the guys that. What did you say? It's the guys that aren't doing the music is the ones you need to worry about. Yeah, no, that's the truth. The stuff they're talking about and the raps is just a reflection of what's happening anyway. You know what I mean? It's not the musicians that are going out to sell drugs so they can rap about it. Some people do that. Your idiots do that. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, flip bricks. And they, the only reason they ever got into that was so they could say about it because they wanted to be a rapper. But that's few and far yeah. between. You know what I mean? The reality is the city is rife with crime, drugs and problems. And it really is. And that's, that's for us poor people who grew up in that sort of environment, that is what we know. And, you know, and these social commentators, the people t- sitting at home with a notepad, scribbling down writing poems and stuff like that, they're the ones who are trying to find a way out of that. Like if, if somebody's doing music, that's a positive thing. Yeah, man. Love it. Well, thank you ever so much, mate. And um, massive, uh, you know, good luck with, with everything that you're doing. And um, I, I reckon you're onto something here. And it's only a matter of time before this, uh, yeah, the, the train rolls on and people, big, big, big people start outside the city start taking note, I think. So, and total respect for you for what you do, because I know that you're out there pushing people around you, doing stuff for the community, you know, and, and it's, I think it's fucking brilliant, mate. So fair, fair shout to you. Big love, man, big love. And again, I just want to send a massive shout of love to the team that's behind it because, as I say, a lot of people see me and go, yeah, crazy, he's doing all this. And it's like, if people want any hope of doing what I'm doing and getting as far as where I'm getting with it, get yourself a good team around you, you know? So, yeah, love to the team. And thank you, Neil. You absolute legend, bro. No, respect, man. Thank you. With issues of education at the top of the agenda across the whole country, next week we talk to the head of Merchants Academy, Samantha Williamson, about the controversial A-level debacle and where we go forward in Bristol schools.
Thanks for listening to Bristol Unpacked. I'm Neil Maggs, and a big thanks to Rosa Eaton, our audio producer, Adam Cantwell-Corn, our executive producer, and Blue Dot for our music. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes, and if you want to support what we're doing, join the Bristol Cable, along with 2,000 others, to create a new kind of media for the city.